Hey guys, welcome back to The Cultural Shift. This is Faisal Vellani from Vellani Consulting. And I am geeking out about my next guest right now. Um, it's the first time I've had somebody on this uh, on the show that understands the language of business process management, which is my background, where I came from. So I'm super excited to introduce Rowan Tay. Um, before I bring him on, I just want to let you know, Rowan uh, actually designed um, an intelligent business process management software um, a company called Boxfish, and he's been a career consultant for over 20 years in director-level positions with global consulting firms in New Zealand, Saudi Arabia, and USA. So he's definitely traveled the world pretty well. I want to bring him on board. How's it going, Rowan? Oh, awesome. Thanks, thanks so much, Faisal. Look, I'm really excited to be on this in this uh, interview as well. And um, yeah, someone of your stature and 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 your your depth in terms of understanding business process management as well. I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation. Absolutely. So I, I want to let the audience know you and I kind of met in a weird circumstance. Uh, we were both giving a presentation on uh, Business Transformation and Operational Excellence Summit. Um, I think you spoke about uh, BPM in, in general, and I spoke about uh, digital transformation. And that's how you and I connected. Correct. Right? So Correct. Tell, yeah. tell me a little bit about why is that such a big passion for you, business process? Uh, look, I think um, my, my background, my qualification has, has always been more on the business side of actually understanding business management and how a business actually works. Um, you know, when I started off my career, I was really, um, my, my entry point was about technology. It was implementing ERP systems, actually. Um, but through all the different projects that I worked on, I just found that, you know, the common factor of change um, regardless of the system that I was dealing with, was always about processes at the end of the day. That's 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 how a, a business functions. Um, so my my it started growing in, inside me that look, it, I, it doesn't matter what kind of transformation I'm working on, whether it's technology based, organization, or people um, change. You know, processes is fundamentally the the thing that is always um, the same in terms of um, you know the impact of the business. So that that I guess ignited in me uh, I, I just want to know more about processes i want to know how to effectively transform processes and um you know how do businesses tick um so so that's kind of my my passion and, and early 2000 I, I kind of got qualified in lean six sigma as a methodology yeah um and, and what what i found fascinating about lean especially was that when i got into it it was the second almost the second evolution of lean. So it, yeah. lean was not new. It got introduced back in the early 90s. Um, and it sort of came back um, for a second time in, in the 2000 period because it was all about applying lean to services. Yeah. And then, um, you know, manufacturing before. Correct, and manufacturing before. And like 20 years later, after I started working on lean, um, lean still hasn't gone away it's it's been the yeah. you know fundamental foundations for new approaches like agile or, or devops if you work in the it world um so one way or the other it's it, it works um and and you know it doesn't matter which company i work with a lot of those principles are fundamentally still effective today um so so that's kind of yeah my my passion in it i feel like it's an area that keeps evolving and keeps keeps yeah keeps me interested yeah, I, I, I talk to people all the time about uh, different areas of growth. And the one thing that I have found that that's a pattern in everything is the basics never change, right? The basics to, to anything are always the same. You always build on top of it. And I think that's the, that's the best part about Lean, even though it was designed for the manufacturing industry, the basics that it was designed with can be used within any industry at, at this particular point in time, because we're also process driven. 
right? The, yes. the more technology comes out and the more that people are taken out of the equation, the more processes have to be developed to make sure things aren't falling apart. And I think that's why Lean is such a, such a beautiful uh, transformation uh, tool to use within these companies. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that I, I've enjoyed over the course of my career is, is helping people um, at mm -hmm. the end of the day. And, and there's, you know, the, the one common frustration people have in organizations is the amount of time um, it takes for them to do things. Um, yeah. And a lot of times, and if you, again, drill down on that, it has to do with processes. It's whatever they need to do in the organization to get to the, you know, whatever outcome. And then, you know, often when I run a workshop or a session with uh, a group of, of, of people, it's almost like a, a venting session. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the first few it's hours. Business, it's, right? you, you really truly are. It's just kind of you're in there just basically for the first couple of hours. Look, just open the can, just let it all out. Yeah. Put it all out there. What's all your frustration? And, you know, fundamentally, it's down to, our, you know, the procedures that we need to take just to get to something, to do something that seems so simple, but it mm -hmm. takes so long to do it either because, uh, yeah, the, the processes is just old, it's broken, um, or, you know, we've always you've always done it that way. So, you know, we continue to do it that way. And um, whether whether you put lean on this as a title or agile or what have whatever, it gives I guess people a reason to critique and 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 change things, mm -hmm. um, and that's what I enjoy. I enjoy seeing people actually being able to challenge themselves, challenge you know how they do things in the workplace, and actually um, you know implement some good improvements as well. Yeah, you know, before you and I came uh, uh, came live here, we were talking about how um, our secular education doesn't really teach how to how to start a business, right? And right there, what you just said, it, it kind of gave me a flashback. When I went into my first BPM session, I had all the credentials in the world. I had taken all the classes. I had done all the certifications. I knew exactly what I was going to do from a technical standpoint. But when yes. the venting session started, I realized that I didn't have the soft skills to deal with those venting sessions, to deal with the people, because yes. that part was never taught in, in a business setting. Right? Yep. And I, I think you're, you're right. That part is so important because it's not just your technical ca uh, capabilities is how do you deal with the people who are actually giving you the information and how do you get the rest of the, the gaps that they're not giving you out of them? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, the, the soft skills is something that I think a lot of education systems around the world are trying to find ways of, of putting that into their in, into their curriculum. You know, we, we talked about, you know, one of my last courses I did um, at university was um, one where a lot of our, our grades were actually determined by the peers that you work with. So you, um, we were put into a lot of project assignments where um, we had to, or group assignments, I mean, so where you had to work with other people um, or other students. And then at the end of it, they were the ones that gave you your mark. Now, once you've, um, you know, put in a situation like that and you realize that it's not all about, you know, pleasing the lecturer, uh, you suddenly mm -hmm. realize, oh, well, I actually need to get along with these people. <laughs> yeah. And um, more importantly, I actually need to listen to these people. Um, you know, so it, once you put in that situation, you realize actually um, it's not about my technical understanding of things now. It's actually about um, getting along with people, understanding them, empathizing with them. Um, yeah. and, and then realizing that actually, um, you know, for me to be successful, I need them to be successful. And mm -hmm. I think that's the that's the fundamental thing when you're doing, you know, whether it's lean um, process improvements or, or any other kind of initiative, what makes it successful is, are the people. Um, yeah. and, and, and very much trying to understand what, what makes them tick in their case. Yeah. Um, you know, for many years of my career, I, I did 
change management. Uh, I was a change manager on, on a number of different pro um, IT projects. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you can say, you know, anything you like to, to kind of bring people across the board. But one of the things that you, what I found anyway, was always the what's in it for me. You have to mm -hmm. get down to that individual level to think, well, put yourself in the shoes of them. What is it that will motivate them to do something? So right. if you're doing process improvement, it's about, well, can I empathize with the frustration that you have in terms of what you're doing today and play that back to you and go, I'm hearing this from you. Is that right? Cool. Now we're on the same page. What can we do about it to improve it? Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, again, you don't get necessarily taught these things at, at school, but it's so important. Um, and we, we, again, when you're starting your own business, now yeah. I need to put myself in the shoes of my customers and go, well, what, what is it that they want at the end of the day? Um, yes, I develop a solution, uh, a software, but the software needs to be doing something for them. So, um, you know, how do I, how do I craft my messaging to make sure that I'm ticking the boxes of what they actually want to achieve, not not so much what I want to achieve. So, so that's it, that's an interesting dilemma, I think, constantly, especially with so many customers that I need to please. Yeah, there's there's two skills that you mentioned, and I I think they're probably the the biggest key for for leadership for success, and surprisingly for for business process, right? Empathy, first of all, I I think is a skill that's not mentioned enough. That's a skill that doesn't matter if you're a C-level executive or you're a front-level worker. You need to have because you need to have empathy to be able to work with the customers and you need to have empathy to deal with your employees as well. And I feel like that part is just not taught. And the, the second one, storytelling, right? It's yes. so important because you even mentioned this earlier and I, I totally agree with this. Decision making is all emotional, right? It, it's not a technical process. It's not a fact driven process. It is an emotional process. The facts do help support that decision. But at the end of the day, the person has to like you to make that decision with you. So yep. I want to ask you more specifically, this is specifically for me. Um, I dealt yep. a lot with change management as well. When you get into a, a sit down with a C-level executive and you're talking about change management, what are the hurdles that you seem to, to struggle with to get them to change their mind, to get them to make this massive decision? Right, that that has to be done. Mm, mm. I think um, one of the things is I kind of kind of want to quote the whole Simon Sinek model of things, mm -hmm. right? Which is that before you start anything and, and try to sell anything, um, you you need to try and understand the reasons and the purpose and the and the why, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I always try to go back to that that scenario of who am I going to be sitting at this board table with mm -hmm. and wh why, why am I there and why are we even having this conversation? Yeah. Um, so trying to put yourself in their shoes and going, well, you know, what is the, what is the agenda that they want at the end of the day? What, mm -hmm. you know, what, what are they on the hook for? Um, and the closer I can get to, to understanding that, and that is the empathy that comes into play, the closer I'll be in, in whatever I suggest as a, a way of improvement to get them across the line. Um, if I start with the the what and you know this is the the yeah. solution and just shove it down your throat, um, yeah. they're not going to accept that. Um, so I think very much it's it goes back to kind of you're putting yourself in the shoes of of putting yourself in their shoes and going, well, you know what's of interest to them and how mm -hmm. can we create a kind of win-win situation, whatever I'm 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 doing, I guess. That's beautiful. Okay, and that that's how you've been able to overcome some of the hurdles with, especially with C-level executives. 
Yeah, definitely. I think what that does is it puts you in a level of trust um, mm-hmm. with them that they that you understand their problems um, right. and their challenges, and you're generally there to help. Um, you know, before it, it's it's funny. Like I've, in my career, I've worked for a, a number of technology um, companies, and um, what and I've, I've I've been able to grow consulting, I guess, as advisory services within these technology businesses. Um, and and what I found is that the the big benefit of having you know the consulting advisory services in a technology business is that you're you're earning the right to talk to businesses at a different level than just putting a, a, a piece of tin or, or a solution into their business. You're right. earning the right, you know, because you're able to understand them strategically, what they want to achieve. Um, if you can get them into that conversation and, and them, them trusting you that, okay, you actually understand their strategy and where they want to go, mm-hmm. then, oh, by the way, um, here are a couple of solutions or technologies that can help you along, the, you know, to, to enable that. That becomes a secondary conversation, but it's, you've already convinced them that you're the right choice in right. terms of a partner to take them on that journey. Um, so that, that's where I found, you know, building these kind of consulting businesses within technology businesses to be really successful is it's allowed us to kind of grow the technology part. But first, let's earn the right to talk to them strategically first. Um, right. Yeah, no, I'd say that's probably one of the, the biggest hurdles um, is just basically earning the right to talk to them um, and, yeah. and being at that table to, and, 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 you know, how, how do you gain that trust? Um, once you've been able to do that, then the rest sort of comes flowing uh, quite easily. In that same breath, we actually have a question from the audience that I think kind of flies right in here. I want to read it out to you. So this is Galvin Mandes. Galvin, thank you so much for the question. And he's asking, what are the subtle differences in how different cultures and countries you've approached work with lean uh lean and six sigma yeah that's a that's a really good uh question and i think you know in a, in a place like um new zealand what you find here is that uh, a lot of people do a lot of things so what i mean by that is um in, in other countries i've worked in there's a lot more specialization in in, mm-hmm. in people's roles so if you know if you're a um business analyst uh, in a business you will only do business analysis Yes. Um, if you're a project manager, you only do project management. But um, in, in a country like New Zealand, what I find is that a lot of the, the um, there's a there's a cultural element here where there's a can-do ad- attitude of yes. you know you don't have to necessarily have that title to be mm-hmm. doing this role or that role. Um, you know, if there's a job to be done, you just do it, um, regardless mm-hmm. of what your title is. So what I find is is that kind of um, can-do attitude, but also the the um, not having certain titles that are just about specialists when you're doing something like lean um straight away you you find yourself working with um maybe a smaller set of people um in in terms of processes um then then when you're working with um you know in in another country so um what i find in, in new zealand is that you know you can actually just pursue a whole lean project with just like five people. But because yeah. those five people do so many different things, you can pretty much cover the whole end-to-end uh, process. Right. Um, you know, in, in other countries I've worked in, it's kind of like, well, in order for me to understand the full end-to-end, I almost need to bring in a whole group of like, you know, 30, 40 people uh, right. to, to make sure that I'm, you know, crossing that, I'm you know, talking with all the, the various stakeholders there. So I think it's, it's about understanding um, a little bit about, you know, what um, in terms of the, the people that, that needs to come into the into these kind of improvements, um, what do they do? 
Um, you know, do you need to include more or less people? Understanding that that kind of element. Um, you know, some some cultures um, they're to the book in terms of you know what what needs to be done. Others are a little bit more pragmatic. Um, so you know, it's trying to understand that and what's the best way of communicating. Um, you know, my my um, where we're originally from in, in, in Singapore. Um, you know, there's there's definitely more of a um, you know you, you need to kind of work through the ranks in order to get the to the final decision makers. Um, you know. Other countries, it's a little bit more pragmatic, um, you know, in terms of being able to to get straight to a decision maker. So you have to kind of understand those kind of um, communication channels as well. So yeah, does good, that good, good question, there, Gavin? Does that just come with uh, with enough experience, with enough muscle memory, right? Because it, it sounds like you've done this um, for quite a quite a time in a few different places. Um, how do you do? You research on these cultures. Do you do uh, do you research on the company before you go in? How do you get to that approach? Um, I think there's there's a couple of things. One one is definitely you need to do the research of the company and try and speak. But normally before I even start any engagement, um, I'll I'll do a little bit of a discovery session, which is basically just me walking around the, the organization and just meeting people and just trying to okay. understand how do things work, what has been successful in the past, what hasn't been successful in the past, um, why haven't they been successful in the past? Just trying to learn. Um, I think as much as I can about you know, how that organization actually works um, before I actually try and do do something. Because the one, the last thing I want to do is introduce new communication channels in, a, in, a, in an organization. If there's already communication channels that work, right. absolutely, I'll just leverage them. Um, you know, um, people in their work life have already got enough meetings, right? Adding yeah. more meetings to meetings and to their calendars is not going to impress them. So if there's ways that I can sort of just adapt um, you know, to their communication channels and go, look, I'm not going to create more meetings for you, but the meetings that you do have, can I just add another agenda item there, right? So I can cover, you know, what I need to do in, in this project. And right. then that's not going to waste any more of your time. It's just going to be part of, you know, existing meetings that you have. Now, you, you won't be able to make that judgment call unless you're actually understanding, okay, what, what you know, how does that business actually function? Right. I think that's, that's one part of it. The other part is, I guess, my upbringing, I've, I've always traveled um, my, my whole life, you know, originally from Singapore, then moved to New Zealand um, in my work life, been to Saudi Arabia, to, um, worked in, in the US as well. Um, so I think just my upbringing has allowed me to adapt to different cultures and just understand people and, and, and not judge as well. Um, you know, it's like when I, whenever I go to another uh, different country, I, I always you know, put my, my position that I'm, I'm a visitor, right? I'm not there to right. change anything. Yeah. Um, I'm there just to kind of, you know, listen and try and adapt as much as I can and, and bring, you know, to, to the table some new thoughts and, and new ideas that maybe they didn't think before, but I'm not there to force any change. Um, and, and that's always just been my attitude in, in anything that I do, really. So I, I do have to ask you this, right? We were also talking about this before you came on board. Um, one of the biggest things that I teach people in my program now is how to follow their passion, right? How Simon Sinek says, start with why. That yes. is, I think that is a part that's missing in, in all individuals, right? We, we don't follow our passions, we follow the money. So in your case, in the case of Boxfish, what pushed you to finally open up your own business? Right? You, you've been in director level positions for 20 years. Why go out on a limb? What was your passion? Um. I think there's a, there's a couple of things. Um, one, uh, I've, I've always wanted to challenge myself, right? And, and it's funny being a consultant, it's all about trying to challenge businesses and challenge people to, yeah. to get outside their comfort zone mm -hmm. um, and, and trying to do things and change. 
And um, I thought, you know, it's, it's the right time in my life that I, I put myself in a situation where, yeah, I'm, I'm not just working for, for corporates right. anymore. I'm putting myself in a position where I, I need to grow as well. Um, so this journey that I've been on for the last, you know, five, six months is very much I've learned so much about business yeah. and, um, and, and myself, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's not something that I can ever pick up in, in any training course. So um, I felt that, you know, I think for anyone, you've got to be comfortable with where you are in your life. I think when you make decisions like this, um, you know, I, in hindsight, I, I, I'd like to say that, you know, it would be great if I had done this a little bit earlier in my life when I've got less right. dependencies on myself to actually start my own business, you know, to be less risk. Mm-hmm. But then there were other things happening in my life early on that I needed to deal with. So it's kind of like, you know, you've got to get in a position where, um, you know, you've got the right support system around you, uh, family-wise and all the rest that they're there to support you. Um, right. But and, and you're comfortable with, with an idea. Um, and that was probably the other thing that I've always sort of felt like I lacked in, in the past in my career was, it's great that you want to start your own business, but what do you want to do? Um, yeah. And, you know, I've always been a person that, I'm comfortably um, selling um, an idea that I've actually done myself mm-hmm. um, because, you know, if, if you give me a, something else to sell and, I'm not, and I've never, you know, used that, done that, um, you can straight away tell that, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd be a, a terrible salesperson. Right. Um, but, you know, the whole idea around business process management, again, one of the things as a practitioner that I always um, – felt that I, I missed was having a tool, a software that I could use from beginning to end. Um, so I felt comfortable talking about business process management, about lean, um, and then now developing a software to enable this just seems like a natural next step to me. Um, and, and I'm comfortable talking at diff- both sides of the fence, either as a customer or practitioner, because that's my world. Um, and, and now that I've you know also um, been working on technology, I can talk about the other side of the um, fence of being a, a vendor in terms of a software provider. So, you know, th- right. this is a, these are fields that I'm very comfortable talking about. I feel passionate. There's, there's something here that is missing in the market because, again, it's something that I've always felt has been missing in the way I'm doing things. Um, right. And I think within the current climate, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the, the, the session as well, is that um, companies now need to accelerate um, big time getting the ROI on a lot of these initiatives. Um, and if we just follow the same traditional way of doing process improvement, you're mm-hmm. talking months away before you see anything. They right. need a way to be able to accelerate the approach and get to the outcomes of the improvements a lot faster. And I, I find uh, in your, your presentation was about digital transformations mm-hmm. um, in, the, in that last uh, conference we spoke. Uh, and, you know, that com- combination of technology and lean and process improvement into one, I think that's, that's, a, that's a formula for success there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of my journey. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because I, I do believe that companies for, for decades now who have been pushing away digital transformation due to COVID, due to the pandemic, have now somehow figured it out within a matter of weeks to months because they, they didn't have much of a choice. They, they had to do it. And I remember listening to your presentation. You, you're a big believer on uh, technology being an enabler of creating an efficiency within organizations. So what role do you think technology will play in this post-COVID world of ours, especially in digital transformation? Oh, look, the fact of the matter is we're talking 
two different countries from two mm -hmm. different countries uh, over, you know, a, a virtual meeting here. Right. Um, not that you know, virtual meetings is not a, a, a you know, it's, it's it's not a new thing. It's been around for ages, but. Um, certainly in the environment, whenever I work with clients, it was always face to face. Um, yeah. Whenever you do workshops, it was always face to face. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I did challenge um, businesses in the past going, well, you know, with globalization and all the rest, you, you need to find a way where you're, you're leveraging technology by way of communication, um, mm -hmm. fundamentally. Um, but it, I think there wasn't really a sense of urgency before um, COVID-19 because, you know, people still went to the office and, and, yeah. and we would run workshops and all the rest that way. And um, what we felt, what I find now is that, you know, this way of communication is, is not just a nice to have, it's a must have, um, mm -hmm. you know, in order just to get things going. So without technology, first of all, we wouldn't be able to even communicate um, effectively. Yeah. So un unless you're face to face, but um, so I think the way you're communicating is, is, um, is, is, is definitely, um, dependent on technology. I think the way you share information is also the same thing as well. Um, so, you know, when, when going back to the, you know, our Boxfish platform, it's all about being able to document everything, analyze everything, um, available 24 by seven in a system that you can go in and, 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 and just, you know, just, just start, um, Start, start learning from. So again, without technology, you wouldn't have an enabler to be able to do that. Um, so I think definitely moving forward, um, you're going to see technology in, being used more and more because it's, it's again, it's not a nice to have, it's, it's a must have. It makes things a lot faster, um, especially when it comes to lean, there's a lot of data, right? So lean is not about process mapping. Uh, it's, a, it's about data actually, it's data analytics in, in many ways yeah. because it's about capturing how much time do you do you know take to do things how much time of that is waste and value-added not value-added all of these things you would normally have to do you know manually manual calculations but technology can just expedite that it can do all those calculations for you show it back to you and the whole idea is that um, you still as a human being need to make fundamental decisions yes. but how you surface that data to you to make those decisions that can all be done and facilitated by technology um, yeah. so i definitely see that being a um uh, uh, you know, a, a critical element um, that's already here. Yeah, I I also think that because of this availability of data, technology has put such a big push behind transparency, right? And a lot of the organizations that I used to deal with before, they they fear transparency because the the layers, the bureaucracies, for some reason, didn't want everybody in the company to know what was going on. But mm. they fail to realize that transparency actually creates growth, right? It, it gets everybody rowing in the same direction. And when you do, you've got massive momentum. And I think that's where technology is enabling these companies to, if they're willing to be transparent, to break down silos, to yes. overtake their competition. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And I think a big part of that is not just data from within the business, um, but also data from outside of the business, yeah. um, you know, to be able to um, join how you do things with um, customer sentiments and, you know, the trends and, and customer behavior, have that information as a data set within and in, in your own internal data. It's a powerful, it's a powerful thing. And I don't think companies have quite mastered that yet either. Yeah. I think there's still um, a, a bit of skepticism and also, you know, a little bit of reservation in terms of opening them, some, themselves up um, for to surface that information. Um, but I think, I think slowly um, we are getting there. And at the end of the day, there's so much data now 
that um, you know how do you know what is true and, and what is false as well so um, you know, technology is, is all about being able to tap into data but there is also yeah. technology for making sure that you actually cleanse the data and yeah. actually that you make sense of, of, of data as well um, so I think that those elements you know again from a, as a human being it's hard for you to do that in, in, in a real fast way I think that's right. where technology ends up being another catalyst for um, you know making sure that you actually looking and, and seeing the right things as well and you're measuring the right things as well absolutely so i i, I want to ask you for some of the people within the audience who are either business owners or thinking about opening up a business i feel like there's this big massive misconception right that in order for companies to grow and to scale up they have yes. to become these big massive inefficient machines right so how do you respond to that when a company wants to grow how do you tell them to grow yet still be lean at the same time um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very good question. Very good question. I think, um, you know, to, to be honest with you, I think if, if I think before you even start thinking about your business, if we go back to the whole Simon Sinek thing again, um, I think first of all, you need to establish your reasons why in terms of why, why you even want to start that business for and be very comfortable with that. Um, because the thing is, it's, it's all about doing the right things rather than doing things right, I think, in, right. in many ways. So, you know, yeah. when, you're, when you're going down and looking at processes, it tends to be about doing things right. But I think fundamentally, you just need to be, you, you need to apply the whole, why is it that you want to do this business? What is the voice of the customer um, that you're, you're chasing? And, and being very clear, I think, that in the, having that strategic mind first. So I think um, if you establish that, then it'd be clear in terms of how do you do things to then, um, you know, relate back to that voice of the customer and go, well, um, are, are all the things that I'm doing contributing to um, that final outcome that you're trying to chase? So um, if you if you miss that step, and the reason why I bring this up is often I see companies missing that. that it's, it sounds pretty straightforward, right? When you talk about it, it's like, well, of course yeah. I need to understand my customer and what I'm trying to achieve. But a lot of times of companies, especially that, um, have been around for a while, they just completely forget about that. Um, yeah. and, it, and they focus too too much on internal. So for a new startup, I think it's it's still very it's it's critical that you you have that end in mind first. Um, right. and then whatever you design in terms of your internal processes underneath, uh, mm -hmm. the judgment of whether it's lean or not has to be whether it's contributing to that end result that you're chasing, uh, that that voice of the customer. And so right. long as you always have that in mind, and and whenever you're doing something, you're you you know you you're, you can see it contributing to that, then in itself it's that that could be lean already. Um, so I think um, now I must admit, starting your own business, you know, sometimes you don't have all that rigor as well. Yeah. Um, you may not be able to afford you know systems and, and all the rest. So and you know you don't don't necessarily need to either. I think mm -hmm. start small, um, start right. agile, um, and grow. Um, you know, you may have aggressive targets of growth, but I think it's important to also um, package it in, in incremental growth as well um, to make sure that every step of the way you're succeeding. You know, um, you know, starting your own business is not always fun. It's not always joyful. Uh, you go through pretty dark times as well. And, you know, oh, you're absolutely. always chasing that dollar at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and I think you just need to always celebrate the small wins. Uh, I think that's probably... The, the big thing with me and my, my, my business partner is, you know, we, we don't take things for granted. You know, if we're able to sign up one customer, we'll have 
you know, big celebrations about that. Right. Um, you know, it's 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 all these these little things that just keep you motivated all the way yeah. through that journey. Um, you know, for for many years, I listened to a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts and all the rest. And you know, some of the the, the key the key um, traits, I guess, of, of all these entrepreneurs is that they're very positive um, yeah. and they're very resilient and they're all yeah. all very persistent. Um, and, and you know, these these attributes they're not external forces it's very much within yourself um right. and i think so long as you just keep these you know keep positive and, and just keep keep pushing if you're a believer of the outcome that you're trying to drive just just keep going just keep going um and, and finally you'll you, you know you'll, you'll definitely succeed yeah no i i want to piggyback off of that i i completely believe that success is is not a skill it's a mindset and mm. one of the things that you said uh, that is a big aha for anybody who's listening is a lot of businesses do start off with why, right? A lot of them have read Simon's book and they do, they go from why to how to what, and they try to follow that, but they make it a one-time event. And you're right, it's not, it, it's a campaign, right? So yes. one of the things that I, I teach my clients is we we kind of write down their why, we, we write down their core values, we have their 10-year plan. We then yes. break it down to three years, one year, quarterly. But the reason why we do it on, on this one sheet of paper is because when you create these three to 400 page binders of this massive mission statement and vision statement and how you're going to achieve it, that activity is great, but you're only focused and pumped up for that five to seven hours that it takes for you to yes. create it. And then it's collecting dust on some executive's desk and nobody ever reads it. Right. Yes. So like you said, your business will go through a lot of dark times and you inherently will go through a lot of dark times. At that point in time, you need to be able to pull something out and take a look to say, why am I doing this, right? Why did I start this? Let me go back to the basics again and let me see why I wanted to do this and make it into a habit, which then becomes a campaign, which takes me out of my dark times. And yes, celebrate successes, man. I mean, it's so easy to lose track of gaining that one client, but that one client is what builds you up to 10, 20, 100, 200, whatever that big number is. It always starts with that one client. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, client clients will buy off a trusted brand um, yeah. at the end of the day. So I think you know you have to make sure that with every client that you work with, yeah, you're, you're treating them with utmost priority, um, and and that you make a success of it, so that other customers can see that as well. Um, when you're talking about your the, the vision, mission, and all the rest, um, I thought that was it brings me back to when I, I managed um, teams um, when I worked for consulting businesses, and often we would go through a session in ourselves in terms of coming up with our sort of you know strategy, vision statement, and our purpose, and all the rest. And um, you're right, absolutely. If, if you don't keep going back to that and, and and ingrain it in everything that you do, people will forget about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we would have meet sort of um, regular meetings. And mm -hmm. before I even start my meeting, I would basically put it out there and go, who can tell me the actual statement of our, our, our team vision? Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, the first few times, no, I can remember. In, in fact, I, I struggle to even remember it. Um, yeah. word for word. So it was a it was a good way of going, let, let's not forget about that hard work that we did um, going yeah. through our team session and coming up with that vision statement because, and to be honest, after a few months, I found that, okay, some people remembered it, other people didn't. Of those people that could remember it, we started losing um, how we could connect with it. Mm -hmm. And actually about a few, quite a few months later, we decided, okay, I think it might be time that we change it, right? Because yeah. it was, it seemed to be, great and, and relevant at the time. But, you know, the fact of the matter is we're all struggling to remember it. 
which means right. that we're not being able to kind of bring it down to earth in, in what we do, which which means it's not it's not quite aligned in what we do. So yeah. let's revisit that um, and actually come up with a new statement that is probably less wordy to begin with, but something that the, some of the key words resonate perfectly with what we do. Yeah. Um, so it's absolutely important, as you say, that you do keep revisiting these things. And it's not just a plaque on the wall. Um, it's something that, you know, you have to ingrain in, in everything that you do in, in your team because um, you, you want it to mean something um, to, to everyone. Um, so, no, it's, 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 it's vitally important. Yeah, no, and I, I, I like your, I like your, your one pager. It's, I think company, companies can get too complex with these things yeah. sometimes. So just having something like that would be fantastic. In, in that same breath, you're absolutely right, right? When, when I first start working with companies, they all want to come up with the perfect mission statement, right? And they want to use these big, these big words that articulate um, it's something that they don't really truly resonate with, but they want to impress themselves. They want to impress their teams. They want to impress their customers. But yeah, when, when we meet again the next quarter and the next quarter, it's so funny how these big words now start coming down to simple terms but those simple terms resonate with you, right? They, they give yes. you these aha moments and they wake you up. And like you said, we're, we're living organisms, so are our businesses, right? So yes. you might bypass your mission statement at a certain point in time and it, it's imperative that you then change it because if you're not growing, you're, you're just moving backwards. So you have to yes. revisit this. I absolutely agree with that. And you know, uh, one of the, the clients I work with um, as well, so based on the vision, there, there are values uh, as a as a business that you um, have that basically governs and guides you know how you achieve um, this this vision or, or mission, mm -hmm. and um, what I really liked about um, working with this this client was that that the language and the words of the values became a a daily um, you know uh, um, uh, daily words that you would use, yeah. um, you know that and 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 you call people out if they're not demonstrating those um those values as well yeah and you know so so the, these these words are, are very important and it's important to get the right words as well um because they are they they, they can become um you know part of the, the, the daily um, workplace language and that's kind of that's kind of what you want it to be so you you don't want it to be a um you know the person at the top hammering down that you must do this you kind of want these words to be the um the ones that guide behavior yeah. Um, so you, it's, 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 and if you believe in them, then you know, then you're you're more likely to um, you know demonstrate those those behaviors. So, so words are important, um, and the, the way you use it in the workplace is, is important as well, and just to keep it alive. Absolutely, Ron. We got a couple of other questions. Do you mind if we if we jump to the audience real yeah, quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so we we got Galvin again. He wants to know: Should a company's vision be refreshed on a regular basis, or be an infinite view? grander purpose. I think we kind of answered that, but I'm going to let you take it again. Yeah, I think visions. So a vision statement is probably something that um, you, sh you probably shouldn't change it too regularly. I think it's, it's one of these things that um, ultimately is, is something that you, you, you're kind of heading towards. Um, but I think revisiting it and reviewing it and, and um, you know, bring it down into context um, is something that you, you constantly need to do. Um, ultimately, um, you know, if you look at you know SpaceX, for example, their vision is to put humans on on Mars. Um, yeah. I don't think that that will change for a while. But um, but there's a, there is a vision statement. But how they go about doing it um, is probably and how you know what that means um, to their company culture is something that will probably need to you know, will continuously be revisited. Um, so I think that reviewing and and the um, you know applying it to your daily 
workplace is something that uh, needs to always be done. Um, yeah. But you know, companies can change um, vision um, significantly if if the whole business changes as well. Absolutely. So we, I, I meet with my companies on a quarterly basis, and then we have a we have an annual planning session that happens for two days. My rule is we don't change it in the quarterly session. We revisit yeah. it, we talk about it, but the only time you're allowed to even touch it is in your it's in your annual planning session, and that puts such a heavy focus on. Before you leave that planning session, you better flesh it out, right? It, it needs to be exactly what the company agrees with. And if everybody yes. doesn't agree, we don't end the session. So that's the only time they're allowed to touch that statement. Yep, yep, yep. No, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so we've got Melody. She wants to know, why did you name your company Boxfish? <laughs> um so I guess there's there's a couple of reasons. Um, you know, ultimately, when you look at a, a process, uh, it's a, a whole bunch of boxes and arrows. So um, visually, uh, a box fish is a cube. It looks like a cube. So um, we thought that resonated with the the fact that in a process, it's it's box uh, it, it comprises boxes and arrows. So that's that's one reason. But um, more of the reason is that. Um, Boxfish as, as actual fish in itself is very agile. It's very small. It's a very small fish and it, it, and it pivots. And con considering that it's a, a shape of a box, you'd think that it's quite slow to move, but um, it, it can actually pivot and, and um, move very, very fast. And we think in a um, you know an environment where companies are, can be a small fish in a big pond and all the rest, um, you know, being having that that sort of competitive edge and being able to pivot and, and move um, depending on who's chasing you or, or whether you're getting away for someone or you're trying to get ahead of, of people is is a nice kind of attribute for for us to also grasp as well so there's kind of that symbolic reason i guess um hopefully that kind of answers the question that is super cool Ron. i i have to ask you this before we start uh getting towards the end um sure. in one of your presentations I heard you talk about how the top goals for all organizations or most organizations will be to optimize and simplify processes. Yes. I, I do. I highly believe in simplification. It's actually one of the key habits that I teach. It's, it's my fundamental habit. So talk to me a little bit about why you think simplification is such a big necessity, especially right now. Uh, to me, simplification is 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 basically lean. Um, it's basically getting rid of a lot of things that is is unnecessary. So um, right now, it's all about uh, for companies. A lot of companies, it's all about reducing cost. Yeah. And I think the the big the big challenge I have with companies that are, 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 are you know moving forward with a lot of cost initiatives is make sure you're removing cost in the right areas of your business. Uh, make sure that you're removing it in the non-value-added areas of your business. So when you do simplify, um, you're basically focusing on the bare minimum steps required um, in your processes to achieve an outcome, um, but also link very much to that outcome. So anything else is, is basically waste. Um, so yeah, um, the, the, the research that I talked about, um, yeah, prioritize productivity efficiencies as um, you know, one of the top strategic priorities. And, and to be honest, this was this was this was a, a piece of research last year in 2019, right. um, and it was it was pre-COVID, 
And I think um, if anything with, with COVID coming along, it's accelerated that now. So yes, companies were already planning for an economic market slowdown, um, but now it's, it's, it's come closer than probably what they expected before. So, um, you know, looking inside your business and going, how can we just get rid of waste? How can we simplify it to only, so our people are only doing those bare minimum things required to get that value to the customer, I, I think is, is absolutely necessary. Um, without that, you know, potentially you're, um, you know, you've got a lot of costs that's in, in, in your business that you, that, that um, is a result of a lot of the, of that waste. That makes sense. Thoron, we're, we're getting towards the end. I just want to ask you, is there any yep. tidbits, any uh, any knowledge nuggets that you want to leave our community with? Um, I know if, if I was listening to this, I, I'd be very interested about um, helping people how to start up or helping people be able to scale up their organization. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, at the end of the day, um, you know, whether you're looking at process improvements, technology, um, improvements, you know, people and capability is, is absolutely important um, and mm -hmm. critical. Um, so that, that will ne that will never change, really. Um, but I think the old age combination of processes, people and technology, mm -hmm. to me, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm biased, I guess, because I, I work in the, the technology and process field, but right. you always need that combination of three. Um, yeah. and, and plus data, I think, um, which is yeah. coming more and more relevant as well. So I think, you know, technology, process, people, data, um, in, in everything that um, any kind of initiatives that you do, you're always trying to leverage and, and give focus to all four of those things. Um, and generally you'll succeed. Where I've seen a lot of projects fail is because there's a lack of one or more of those, yeah. um, those elements. You know, if you work on a technology project and it's always about technology, you're not gonna get people on board. Um, you may, the technology may not do what your processes and your businesses are, are, are there to do. So, you know, you, you always need to make sure that you focus on that. But also, I think the last thing is probably just Again, now more than ever, you need to focus on the customer and you need to focus oh, on yeah. exactly why is it that you exist as a business? Mm -hmm. um, what is it that you're trying to achieve for your customer? What's the value that you need to um, achieve for the customer? So before you even you know, do anything else, start with that, that um, you know, end in mind, I think, and then work backwards on that. You know, I, I do want to talk about a bridge right here. You're, you're absolutely right. I think what's flying under the radar is data. And I, yes. I think specifically what's flying under the radar is data about clients, data about their customers. So a lot of the companies that I deal with, they tend to see data as a new age thing that they don't believe in. They believe in the eye test. But if you look at any field, the companies that are leading are the ones that are ahead of, the, uh, ahead of their competitors when it comes to data. So yes. I, I love pointing out Chick-fil-A as an example. It, it's a local restaurant here. I'm not sure if, yes. if you guys have it there. Yep. But they figured out how to take their wait time for their clients and reduce it. I think it was by like 50%. And that came by looking at the data. So yep. a, a fast food hamburger or chicken joint was able to use data to be able to get ahead of its customer. That should show you that any and every company out there, if you actually value data and if you use it the right way, you can gain such a competitive advantage. And I, I don't think that's caught up yet to the point that it needs to. Yeah, it's the old age um, saying of if you can't um, measure it, you can't manage it, right? Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to measure something, you need to have data um, at the end of the day. Otherwise, um, everything becomes too subjective. Um, yeah. You know, the, the thing, you can't lie with data. 
um, yeah. and you know it's it's a very objective thing. So um, absolutely, and, and whatever whether you're comparing yourself with competitors or you're trying to understand more about the customers uh, or how your performance is within your business, it, it's data is the one that thing that won't lie to you. Um, yeah. you know, obviously, data data quality uh, can be an issue, um, yeah. but you know so long as you've got data, you've got something objective yeah. to talk about and, and critique about as well. Um, so absolutely, I think that's that's a one thing, and and um, it's becoming more and more difficult with the many technologies out there um, that a business uses as well. So you know, how do you consolidate from all of these different data sources into a, a place where you can then yeah. interpret, analyze, and, and 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 you know surface the the kind of um, points that you then need to make decisions on. Because um, those decisions still require, you know, human beings uh, yeah. often. Um, so it's about making sure that you you're asking the right question. Um, mm -hmm. I think in, in many ways, um, and then follow that up by where am I going to get the data to then make make those decisions. Yeah, I think you and I can probably hold an entire podcast about just data quality, data governance, and data visualization. That alone can be an entire two-hour-long conversation. <laughs> Look, I've I've got a yeah I've re, I've got a really good friend that um, works yeah. purely in that space um, as well, um, and and we have a really good banter when it comes to, to data all the time, and um, it's something that yeah it's um, it's a it's a it's a necessity, uh, but it's yeah. it's it's a, you know I think you can't ignore it now. So um, yeah, great great topic of conversation <laughs> for another time. Yeah, absolutely. So Ron, uh, before we go, can you let the audience know where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? And what kind of services do you provide that they can reach out to you for? Yeah, look, so our website is is simply boxfish.global. Uh, that's our website there. Um, you can also find me, Rowan Tay, uh, on LinkedIn, as well as Boxfish uh, in the LinkedIn site as well. So I'd say probably those are the, the main mechanisms um, for, for reaching out to me directly. Um, but as a, as a business, um, we're here to develop um, IBPM solutions. We've got our own um, in, yeah, intelligent business process management uh, software. Um, it helps organizations accelerate process improvement. So, um, you know, you, you can use our software. It's a SaaS product. Um, we do wraparound services um, to do with uh, lean and process improvements as well. Um, mm -hmm. But fundamentally, we're here to help businesses accelerate uh, process improvements, accelerate lean, um, so you can get straight to that ROI, um, whether it's cost reduction or reducing complexity. Um, we're all, all about yeah, trying to get you there faster. That's perfect. Guys, I will make sure that I put a link to uh, the website, the LinkedIn account, and I believe uh, there's a YouTube channel as well. I'll go ahead and link to all of those um, in YouTube and also in the podcast uh, website as well. Again, Ron, thank you so much. I, this has been an amazing conversation. I want to bring you back again probably in about a month or so <laughs> to kind of catch up on this post-COVID environment, hopefully by then. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Faisal. Really enjoyed it. Now, I appreciate it. And for anybody who's listening, if you guys are thinking about starting up a business or if you need any help, reach out to Rowan, reach out to my team, and let's get you guys started on your own path. Again, thank you so much for joining The Cultural Shift, and I'll see you next time. If you've enjoyed this episode, then be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you're leaving with some great advice on how to create or transform your culture towards G-I-E. This is Faisal Vellani for Vellani Consulting. And as always, let's grow, innovate, and excel together. Until next time. <laughs>